0: The Spin Off Podcast Network. Tired of diesel buses? Want more cycle lanes? Or bus lanes? Which projects do you want Auckland Transport to work on first? They need your opinion. So head to haveyoursay.at.govt.nz forward slash RLTP to do just that. Consultation closes on 17 June. Get in quick.
2: Welcome to Breast Assured, brought to you by the Spinoff Podcast Network, together with Breast Cancer Foundation NZ. Hi, I'm Sarah Gandy. I'm a broadcaster. I've worked in radio for years, and I pop up on the telly sometimes, and I write the old article. I also talk about boobs quite a lot. We'll get to the why of that in a moment. First up, I want to let you know what's coming up on the show. We have got some amazing guests joining us today. Soon, we'll be talking with Arahiya Hall from the award-winning poetry group Nahine Pukorero and Morgan Penn from the Trainee Sexologist podcast about the role of our breasts in our lives and society. And then, later on, my good friend and comedian Tom Sainsbury will sit down with me to get some insight into my journey through breast cancer, you know, diagnosis, treatment, anything else he wants to ask me about my boobs, I guess. Throughout this series, you'll also be hearing some memorable moments from friends of the podcast, because who doesn't have an entertaining story or two about their boobies? That is all coming up. Thank you so much for joining us. Growing up, I didn't pay much attention to my breasts, to be honest, not until I was 36 and found a lump in my right boob. It was honestly purely by chance. I would love to say that I was diligently doing my monthly check, but I wasn't. I was just scratching an itch on the top part of my breast when I noticed what kind of felt like a lump. I actually felt the other one to see if it was just some weird part of the anatomy that I'd somehow missed for my 36 odd years. Nope. So then I asked my husband Luke to check and see if he felt what I was feeling and had he noticed it before, and he hadn't. This all happened at a pretty stressful time in my life and it would have been really easy to just put it in the too hard basket and forget about it. But the voice of a good friend of mine, Delaney Tabron, rang clear in my head. She's the same age as me and had just been through breast cancer treatment and I knew if I didn't march myself and that lump to the doctor, if that didn't kill me, she would. So I did just that and thank goodness I did because at 36, I was diagnosed with breast cancer were two lumps in my breast and it had spread to my lymph nodes. It's important to note here, breast cancer is survivable. I'm evidence of that, along with countless others, but early detection is key. Unfortunately, there are still too many women who don't have the positive experience I've had, which is why it's crucial we keep abreast of our boobs, if you will, with regular self-checks for signs and symptoms of breast cancer, no matter your age. Basically, we have to give our own lovely boobs a lot more attention. After all, Western society has been obsessed with breasts for quite some time now. Bare breasts are a staple in 80s comedy movies, but God forbid a nipple should pop up on social media. Well, a woman's nipple. Men's nipples are fine, apparently. Not sure where social media stands on the non-binary nipple front. Our relationship with breasts It's complicated. Not just for women either. In the US, the American diet and less active lifestyles have seen people physically increase in size, including their breasts. It's been suggested men are getting breasts more often now, and male breast reduction surgery is becoming more and more popular. This isn't just a cis issue either. Transgender people looking to get top surgery do so to connect with their true identities. Breasts, or no breasts, as the case may be, play a huge part in how people accept themselves. This podcast series won't stop you from getting breast cancer, or cysts, or all manner of things that can happen inside those breasts of yours. If I knew how to do that, I would have been waving that magic wand around like nobody's business. My hope is that what it can do is arm you with the knowledge and confidence to know your own body, that it will give you the tools to be your own advocate that it will help you connect with the mysterious world of your wonderful, majestical boobies. So, with that in mind, let's get breast assured. Some incredible guests join us now. I'm very excited. First up, we have Arihea Hall. Kia ora. Kia ora. A student at the University of Auckland and a member of Nahine Pukorero. So you're a group of young wahine poets and I just want to... I'm just going to throw some props at you for a minute because what you guys do is incredible. So your group won the Word, the Frontline Slam in New Zealand and then that took you to Melbourne where you won the Trans-Tasman Youth Poetry Slam and then you went on to the Brave New Voices Youth Poetry Festival in the US. Wow. Yes. It's really impressive and it's great to have you here. So kia welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, our second guest is Morgan Penn. Uh, now, some podcast listeners may recognise Morgan uh, from the award-winning podcast, The Trainee Sexologist. Morgan's a certified somatic sexologist, pleasure advocate, body celebrator and sex educator and also someone who thinks about boobs a lot, just in general, way. Eh, Morgs a, a lot. Good a lot. to be here. So good to have you <laughs> here. So kia ora Thank you for joining us. I thought uh, we could start this chat with what we're calling uh, your memory memories.
0: Oh, <laughs> I like that. So,
2: you know, when for both of you, when did you realize that boobs first existed? And I'm not talking as a baby with breastfeeding because I guess we all, you know, at some point that happened. But as a, a kid or as a young adult, was it pre-puberty? When did you start to be like, oh, okay.
3: Well, I, I know very distinctly. I was about 12 and I could feel this little triangular lump, like a little pyramid coming up underneath my Minnie Mouse uh, 90. And I was like, oh! <laughs> <gasps> is this? And I just like could not stop touching it. I was like this is, something's happening here and this is going to be good. And um, (laughs) you know then with my group of girlfriends at the time we kind of made like little hapu, like sub-tribes within Mm. our group of friends. We're like Itty Bitty Titty Club in the Massive Mountains. (laughs) Yeah. And I was in the Itty Bitty Titty Club, and I was like, "Oh, how do I get into the Massive Mountains? (laughs) Like, let me
2: get in there. It's a very exclusive club, apparently. (laughs) Totally. So. That was your first. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember your
3: first bra experience? Yeah, it was those... Hey sister like trainer
2: bras that had they were like so square. Same.
3: same.
4: Really? (laughs) Yes. Oh my
2: gosh, I forgot about hey sister. (laughs) Oh yeah, okay. So out of here, were you the same? Do you remember them kind of popping up or is it like one day they weren't there and suddenly surprise
0: Yeah. Um definitely also started an intermediate. Like I didn't pay attention to anything about boobs before that. And then I was like swimming with my friends, oh, like a whole class went swimming because I grew up in Topo, we went to the river and everything. Um, and one of my friends was like, oh, your boobs are bigger than, you know, that girl over there. And I was like, boobs? <laughs> like what? <laughs> what? And then I remember another day, like, I think I walked out into the kitchen wearing just a hoodie and nothing underneath and like. My cousins were like your nipples, and I was like, oh. <laughs> oh. And the next
2: day, I got a bra. <laughs> You're like, that's it. Yeah, I'm joining that club. Okay, so you, so you actually talked about boobs with your friends when you were a teenager, like you know, at the kind of start of teenage them. Yeah. Do you still talk about them now? More so.
0: Really? Label. I mean, like, as someone who has them, I think they're great. As a queer woman, I think they're great. So, of
2: course, I'm going to talk about them. <laughs> Big fan. here, as part of Nahinepu Pū Kōrero, you've done some amazing work with Breast Cancer Foundation NZ on a spoken word poem called Ahika, which draws on the Te ao Māori view of body positivity to encourage women to get a mammogram. Can you talk a little bit about that and where your thinking came from and, you know, how the work evolved?
0: Mm.
2: I mean, so when we started... Uh, working on the project,
0: we were given like a little bit of a, a blurb about what we were supposed to write about, and people were saying that that Maori, like there was a difference between the amount of Maori and Pacifica women that were going to get mammograms, and that there was like a decline or there were just less of them that were getting mammograms. And one of the reasons for that was potentially because they were, you know, worried about being exposed and sharing that part of their body with someone that they don't know. So we took that. And from a Māori perspective, we realised that actually, like, we were not modest people. We had body sovereignty before the arrival of Pākehā, and that's something that we need to reintroduce to our mothers and to
3: all of our older women and ourselves as well. I think society has conditioned us to think that that is like a sign of fertility and womanhood Mm. and sensuality and like all this kind of... BS. Yeah, all, yep. yeah, we've been conditioned to to believe that those those breasts are are there to be uh, sexualized, mm-hmm. unfortunately, and that's just not the true original function of a breast, and it's not really you know what we are we should be putting on other people, but because that's what we see in the mainstream media, we know that sex sells, so we see these breasts used in all this kind of selling and marketing collateral. Um, it makes us think that that's the ideal shape of a woman.
2: Mm. Yeah, totally. Morgs, you're obviously, like, you're a, you know, sexologist and you talk a lot about body confidence. And how much does body confidence play and and breasts play into how comfortable people are when it comes to sex?
3: Huge. Um, Yeah, it's it's a place where actually I find so many people are really disconnected from their bodies um, because it's almost like they don't even feel like their breasts are their own. And it's (laughs) really important to have body sovereignty, right, to feel in your body, to be able to be um, aroused, to feel like you're wanting to be in your sexual body and um, if it's been, if they've been sexualized by the outside not with you deciding whether or not you want it to be sexualized, it can really feel like you don't want any kind of attention there. Mm. But really this is like a beautiful erogenous zone that can feel really nice for some people um, because we've got all these nerves that, you know, come to a cluster there. And um, yeah, so, and I kind of think that breasts are an extension of the heart. Like you know this heart yeah. space and so i think it's a way of really nurturing the world and connecting in and if you choose to share that on a sexual level then it's like beautiful you know but i'm yeah i'm just seeing all these people that are disconnected especially if they've had children because they're giving from that point and people oh, it feels so like true. a taking all the time um
2: yeah, there's just a real, a real disconnect there. Uh, let's talk about names. Names for boobs. Okay, what's your go-to, first of all? What do you call them generally? Buzzies. <laughs> Probably tits. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Inter- because, and I think that's interesting because tits is one of those words where it felt a little bit derogatory for a while and I feel like people are, are reclaiming it. Mm. It's one of those words. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, what is there any other kind of funny, endearing ones that you don't really use but you just love? Badunkadunks. dunks. Yes, <laughs> Love a padunga
3: dog. Nungies, I suppose. Nungies. <laughs> yeah, have you heard that? No.
0: Shouts your nungies. What? what?
2: <laughs> I instantly regret that decision to share. No, it's fun. Like I love it. Are there any um real words that are common for breasts that are or like colloquial or? So the main word for breasts would be u
0: or uma. Um, but when we were writing our poem for the Breast Cancer Foundation ad, I titled the doc as kia u because to, like, ooh into something also means to, like, really focus, and then I was, like, in brackets, lmao, because it's, like, kia boobs.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but It works. It totally works. Yeah. yeah. Uh, pros and cons. I thought we could talk about pros and cons of the boobies because, you know, they can be good to us, but there can be some downsides, and I'm going to say let's start with the cons. Is there anything that you find problematic about boobs like it's, is there any point where you're like man i, c- I just kind of wish that these weren't here weren't on me no yeah
0: nah i i take
2: pretty good pride in them nowadays this is great i love that. Is, is there anything you find scary like like how do you feel about checking yourself for signs and symptoms of breast cancer i feel
0: like uh oh, for me as a young person I still do it anyway because I get paranoid. But I'm like, I don't know what I'm checking for. But when it comes to, like, touching them and stuff, I'm like, it's, it's satisfying. They're like
2: stress balls. That's great. <laughs> they have like stress
5: yeah. balls. You ever just...
2: Just, I mean, this is, yeah, you've got a built in. Now I'm doing it to myself. Sorry. It's, it's fine. So welcome here. God, I thank you. I uh, appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, and Morgz, is how do you feel about self-checking?
3: Um, I'm all about it. And I do it when I work hands-on with my clients that I do um, like breast massage with because um, it's such an important thing. People are, are like, they're starting to learn, right? We need to do this. But yeah. a lot of people are like, how do we do it? And so I sort of educate on that realm as well. And I do self breast massage every day just for my buzzies because it's been quite a journey um, for me to even accept my breasts because I used to think like obviously I wanted to be in the massive mountain crew and so I've always wanted them to be bigger and um, so with breast massage I I connect in you know and so it's a big part of that as well that's where I check at the same time as doing my daily breast massage so that's
2: great okay so that's so there was really no downsides I love this. Wonderful things about breasts. When have they come in handy, guys? Passing my driver's license. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: back when I used to wear padded bras. <laughs> oh, my God. Voice those babies up.
0: They're a good distraction. <laughs> I think, like, an upside about, like, other people's boobs would be, like, pillows. Or, like, you ever hug someone with, like, big boobs and it's just, like, comfy?
2: <laughs> yes. It's so I, – I have an auntie that um, when I was – I still can almost close my eyes and – Experience the uh, hug, or in her buzzies, Mm. because I was that right height to just really like be enveloped like a big duvet. Yeah,
3: yeah, nothing better. (laughs) So so nourishing. Yeah, the pros are definitely in that realm, right? You get
2: to feed another little human. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's probably a massive pro that we should. (laughs) They can nourish human life. Yes. Do you ever feel like you have an indent where your bra strap sits? Let me check on your body.
0: No, I don't wear that much bras nowadays. Yeah, I <laughs> never
2: wear bras. So. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Why don't you – because I think I'm actually jumping on this wagon a little bit of late. But what – What? Um, why? Why don't you wear bras?
0: I'm a pretty big fan of, like, the big pants little top kind of trend that's going on in my generation. Yes. And the lines of the bra, like, take away from the look, I guess. But also, like, it's so comfortable just having them out. So easy. I don't even care if my nips are showing anymore. <laughs>
3: That's great. All about all about that. I think um, you know. You think about coming home from a long day at work and that feeling of taking mm. your bra off, like that's like the best thing, right? Yeah. Well, you can actually just have that all day long if you don't wear one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And aesthetically, like you out of here, I just I think
2: like seeing that nip is so beautiful, which is great because when I think about growing up, there's been so much tra- time trying to cover a nipple. Through a top, or a, you know, like the people have the nipple covers that they can pop in, or whatever. There's so much time hiding female nipples. Yes. On social yeah. media, in clothing, and everything. And the reality is, is like, if a female nipple offends you, then jog on. Like, you need to, how are you existing in this world? Yeah, I know. Just leave the room. Yeah. And- Hashtag free the nipple. You're free oh the nipple. Yeah. Yes, free the nipple. No, I'm with you. Uh, what is your relationship like with your breasts now, do you think? The best it's ever been, I reckon. Great.
0: Like, I've recently just come into a point of, like, real body positivity. And I think part of that just came from having a partner that, like, appreciates your body, teaches you to appreciate your own body as well. But again, it's sort of like a, it was more like a push for me to love it more than a, I need to love it now. Like, I already loved it a bit. So that was just a good bit of encouragement. And now I'm, like, at this peak of self-love in terms of my body and my breasts. Oh,
2: that's beautiful. It's like a celebration.
3: Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, I'm like,
2: oh. You can tell she's a poet. Yeah. (laughs) like (laughs) It just flows out of you. Uh, Morgs. Yeah,
3: I'm very at peace. We've got a very harmonious relationship going on. And I guess, you know, what we know about our connection to our body is that acceptance is the biggest gift that you can give. So just finding a place of acceptance is incredible and so healing and nourishing for the body so mm. it's really important that when we look at ourselves in the mirror or we look down we can actually look through soft eyes and find this acceptance so yeah I love my I love my breasts I I, I, I I'm accepting of them
2: ah miharo. Yeah. so good <laughs> I love it oh well Thank you so much for joining us. Morgan Penn, thank you so much. Pleasure. You're both incredibly generous with your thoughts and honesty, and it was great talking boobies with you both today. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Tom Sainsbury will be joining me for a cuppa and a chat. In the meantime, you get to enjoy our first
4: memorable moment. Okay, so the year is 2006 and my sports bra of choice is a mesh polyester horrific thing um, from the sports bra section of Farmers and Hastings and I get asked to play the in the mixed touch final which was a huge honour. I'm 14, what's a gal to do? And at the time I'm on the pill to clear up my skin so my boobs have gotten really big and I remember Um, Everyone's watching the cool guys from the high school next door, um, your crush perhaps and one of the guys yelled out at me biscuit nipples and I've never forgotten it, Um, what a grossly ludicrous thing to yell out at a 14 year old woman. And even to this day, when I go to wear like a low cut top or anything remotely revealing, that still rings in my mind. And I think how horrific that after all these years, I can still remember it and men still have that power over us. So um, here's to low cut tops and many more years of big boobs.
5: Breast cancer is the number one cause of death for New Zealand women under 65. More than 3,300 women are diagnosed each year. That's nine a day, and one of these nine is under 45. Early detection is your best protection. Breast cancer is most treatable when it's caught early. That's why you need to get to know your boobs, know your normal, and get any changes checked out straight away. Checking your breasts is as easy as TLC. Touch, look, check. Breast Cancer Foundation NZ's pre-check app gives you an easy way to take control of your breast health. And they're here for anyone who has any questions or concerns about breast cancer. You can call the specialist breast nurses anytime on 0800 BC Nurse. That's 0800 226 8773. Breast Cancer Foundation NZ relies entirely on donations to keep its vital work going. Please support them to help make zero deaths from breast cancer a reality.
2: Welcome back to Breast Assured. I am super excited about our next kōrero. So I'm as open as possible about breasts and my journey through breast cancer as I think I can be, but there is still this kind of weird stigma around the subject for some reason. I don't know why there's a stigma around boobs, but there are. A lot of people would be shy about asking questions around breasts, but not this guy. My friend Tom Sainsbury joins us. Hello. Hi. Hi. So... There is there is something kind of weird about having to call up your friend and say, so I'm doing this podcast about breasts. Will you come mm. on and have a conversation with me about my breasts? Yeah. It's, there's only so many friends you can ask that of.
1: Well, I feel very honoured to be that person to talk about your breasts. <laughs> I haven't seen them in real life.
2: No, that's actually a good thing to start with. Should
1: we just get into
2: it and yeah. talk about...
1: Okay, hello, Sarah. Hi, Tom. Kia ora. Kia ora. Before all of this, what were your relationship with your breasts? So
2: I feel like I was probably like a a bad mum to my breasts. They were there. They were fine. I didn't love them. I didn't hate them. Overall, I hadn't really thought much about
1: breast health or anything. Did you know to get breast cancer or che- did you ever think about any of that stuff?
2: No, not really. And it's, it's funny because I'd had a, a friend who was my age just go through breast cancer treatment. No. I was like, oh, man. It's like that is – such a horrible thing to go through so young. Mm -hmm. And it really made me feel like if there was, you know, you think about your friends like she'd taken that one for the team or whatever, you know, it didn't make me go. The
1: odds. Yeah, Mm. the odds, exactly.
2: Mm. And so uh, it didn't make me go, oh, uh, what if I get breast cancer? It wasn't until I found a lump and then thought, Oh uh, wait, what? Were
1: you looking for a lump?
2: No, it was it just found it accidentally. Really, just scratching.
1: You're scratching your boob, and yeah. you thought this is a bit weird. Yeah, and, so and then did you go straight away to the doctor? Or what pretty
2: much, yeah. I um because I because of my friend Delaney who had had breast yeah. cancer, I was like, oh, she would just if she knows I found a lump and had sat on this, I she will defriend me. So <laughs> it, she was like the niggling voice in the back of my head. So I went to you the got GP,
1: Delaney. Oh yeah, totally. So you went to the GP, and you're like, I
2: found a lump. And I just want to know that it's nothing. And she's like, look, I'm sure it is nothing, but that's look. So she checked and said, look, I don't think it's anything, but I would hate to be that doctor that didn't refer yes. you.
1: So I'll refer you. Why did she think it was nothing?
2: More often than not, a lump is not cancer. Like a cyst
1: or uh, yeah. something. No
2: one wants to roll that dice and be like, I'll yeah. take my chances. Yeah. And that's not a good, I would never recommend that. But, you know, there are other reasons that it could be a cyst. You could just have lumpy boobs. I've got yeah. dense breasts, which is really common, especially in younger women. Women. And so, you know, there's all sorts of stuff going on inside those things. Yeah. So, yeah, so she referred me. I went to get a mammogram.
1: And what was that like? That how many? Is that your first mammogram? That was my first day?
2: mammogram, yeah, yeah, and I was 36. So the mammogram sort of screening program, it's recommended to get them from 40. It's free in New Zealand from 45. Um, and so, yeah, so I'd never been before. It was, it was fine. It was a little bit like it wasn't painful. It was a bit mm. uncomfortable, but it wasn't awful or anything. You know, I would mm. certainly not ever want to put someone off getting a mammogram because it is totally fine mm. and they're very respectful about your space and your comfort. Mm. Uh, but then I had an ultrasound and the uh, the guy that was doing the ultrasound, his face kind of went from like, oh, this is fine, just check this to like bad news face. And he, he said to his technician, we need to book a biopsy
1: for as soon as possible. When did you get the biopsy after hearing it from this so guy? So it was
2: two days later. Uh, they took 14 samples. And
1: then you got this phone call, held it to your ear.
2: And she said, so the results are back, and I'm so sorry, but it's breast cancer. <sighs> when I got off the phone, we called some friends of ours and they came over and we drank a bottle of champagne. Right. And I know that sounds like, what?
1: No, it's
2: <laughs> but not. it was like, like, I just need some people to like, with me, that was what I needed.
1: So you were quite young to get... This cancer, right? Yes. You were 36? I was
2: 36, which is not unheard of. And there's women in their 20s who, you know, find breast cancer. Uh, but yes, I was young and probably hadn't paid attention to breast cancer a lot because mm. of that. And now looking back, in retrospect, I wish that I had known the nine signs and symptoms and, you know, like was a bit more diligent with my breasts because the reality is is that you can get it mm. in your 20s or your 30s or
1: whatever. And so therefore um, you started meeting with these guys and what was the next kind of medical thing that you had to do?
2: Yeah, so there was a lot of medical things. I think at one point my breast surgeon rang me to see how it was going because she said you've had eight medical appointments in six days. How are you?
1: <laughs> oh, really? That's nice of that. <laughs> which was amazing
2: you know. to have someone with that good yes. level of bedside manner to go, so yeah. have you lost it yet? <laughs> or like, yeah. But it was, um, I started with chemotherapy, so the bulk of the stuff was yes. with my oncologist. Was that? Was yeah, that? which is an unusual way. Often mastectomy comes first. Yes. That's, that's the experience for a lot of people. I started, Why did they do that differently? Um, because then I could get a sense of, How I was responding to the chemo. Mm. And I loved that. Like after my first round of chemo, you could feel it shrinking.
1: Really? Yeah. Like physically touching, touching the Touching it
2: and was like, it's getting smaller.
1: That is amazing. It was,
2: and that, in terms of things that bore you when you're going through a treatment, like for your mental space, yeah. to be able to physically feel it, yeah. cancer disappearing from your body is such a gift, like
1: that got me through. Talk us through what is, what is the experience of chemotherapy? So it it's like a flushing, is that, am I right?
2: Yeah, it goes in a chest port, so they just put, plug you straight in there and it saves your arm veins. So I had, that was that was actually a godsend. It was,
1: you know. Goes in and then comes out. Like, is it liquid? What is it?
2: It's a liquid. Like a saline, imagine a saline bag. Yes. But it, it worked and I'm so grateful. There was times when it got tough. I lost my taste buds for, uh, like, you did chemo every three weeks and for two out of those three weeks, I couldn't taste anything.
1: And you would be zonked the day after. Is that right? Yeah,
2: because they pump you with steroids. The first oh, right. three days, you're like, I'm great. And then yeah. day three, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. So they would wear off, and then I would take a diary. There'd be certain days where I'd be like you know, you're not going to leave the house today because you don't know where toilets are. So let's not... So you just found ways to manage it. Yeah. And you just have to be really honest with your oncologist about your side effects and work your way through it. And then I had a mastectomy, and that's where they take all your tissue out Mm. and test it. Mm. So literally you're on the operating table whilst they're sending your tissue off to get tested to see what's happening. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, And they found what they call no evidence of disease. So where there were two tumours and it was in my lymph oh, nodes. They're, they're gone. All gone. The chemo had like... Chemo
1: would worked so well. Yeah.
2: And so that operation was 10 and a half hours.
1: And then is there chemo again after that?
2: Yeah. So the the next sort of, I ended up having 18 rounds of what they call targeted therapy. Yeah. And I also had radiation. And the very first day I went into radiation, I was quite nervous because, you know, it's just, you know, this big machinery and I lie down and you have to kind of unflap your smock. Yes. And they had the radio on and the song that was playing was Pat Beneter. Hit me with your best shot. Oh, I
1: was like, of course, wonderful, of
2: course. And I thought this is—it's kind of exactly what I needed. Yeah,
1: yeah. Where are you at now with treatment and stuff? What happened? So this was how many? This was two and a half years ago, was it? You're right. It's yeah. been
2: about two two and a half years since I started treatment.
1: And then what? Is there any more treatment for you? Are you?
2: I take a pill every day uh, for
1: the rest of your life
2: for the next ten years at least. It's called tamoxifen Mm. and it's an estrogen blocker and it's designed to basically, you know, if if you imagine that cancer has these little receptors that suck up estrogen, tamoxifen can plug those up so the estrogen can't go in, so it can't feed the cancer. Uh, So it's an incredible uh, drug. Uh, It's not not always the easiest drug. Sometimes you have to have a little holiday from it because it can be pretty tough. But I'm happy to have something that I can do every day that makes me feel like I can... I can't stop recurrence, but I can fight it, yeah.
1: How many times over the last (laughs) two and a half years did you scream at your creator Uh, with unfairness? How often did you cry?
2: Not much during treatment, actually. During treatment, I did a lot of work on my mental health because I'd been told, get your mental health right and everything will follow. And I was so grateful for how my body responded to treatment. Mm. And I think having my mental space in the right place actually kind of weirdly helped my body. Mm. I mean, it's all connected, so I'm sure it did. But I would say that something that doesn't get talked about a lot is what happens after treatment Mm. and how to navigate being a survivor Mm. is actually really difficult. Mm. Uh, I didn't work through treatment. I had had a... um, I was on a radio show that I was then not part of and didn't go back to, and so I had to figure out whether I wanted to go back into the industry and work or not, and how did I want my life to look? Mm. And there were times where there's stuff I wanted to do, but I didn't have enough energy, and Mm. that was really frustrating.
1: My final question is, who are you now? (sighs) If this is a movie, you love movies. Mm, I love what's movies. The, what's the journey?
2: I'm singing on a rooftop and there's a party on the street. Great. And it's amazing. I don't even know the answer to that. And that's probably that my answer is I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out. It's, yeah. And I think a lot of cancer survivors, that's what survivorship is, mm-hmm. is you're like, whoa, you go through all the madness and then the dust settles and then you're like, what just happened? Mm. And where am I? That's kind of how it feels a little bit. And so mm. you're just like finding your way. So I'm finding my way. Making my way downtown. Donuts, copywriters. Not if I sing it badly. Do, 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 do.
1: <laughs> thank you for sharing your story.
2: You know what? Thank you for doing this and I feel like it didn't feel weird. Or weird. No. It shouldn't sure feel weird, but it didn't feel weird.
1: I've got twice as many questions, but there's no time.
2: Tom Sainsbury, thank you so much.
1: Thanks for letting me have you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's our first episode, all done and dusted. Thank you so much for joining us. And, of course, a huge thanks to all the wonderful guests who appeared on today's show. There is plenty more boob chat to be had, so make sure you tune in to episode two, and I will catch you then. See ya. Breast Assured is brought to you by the Spinoff Podcast Network in partnership with Breast Cancer Foundation NZ. It was hosted by me, Sarah Gandhi. It was produced by TiAhe Butler with senior production by Natalie Wilson and Jane Yee. Visit breastcancerfoundation.org.nz for breast health awareness information. Follow them on at Pink Ribbon NZ and download the pre-check app now. All the links are in the podcast episode description.